Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 46 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about different types of coaching styles that are in the running world, but it's this episode is not just for coaches and for runners that have coaches. This episode can apply to the type of boss that you are or the type of boss that you have. It can also apply to your style of parenting. There are so many different ways that these different coaching styles can apply to your real life because they're not just coaching styles. They're also just personality styles, and it's the way that we interact with the other people in our lives. So as you listen to the episode, yes, we might talk a little bit about how these things relate to running, but I also want you to think about how this relates to just the way that we deal with other people in our lives, other people in your life that might exhibit some of these different traits and styles in their interaction with you or in the way that you interact with other people. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. So we're uh, we're out in California visiting my family, and uh, my dad made this comment, and and it came off entirely complimentary. He goes, "So you coach kind of like how your wife cooks." I hope that was complimentary. Totally, because he's watched <laughs> he's watched both of us do this on the trip. Of watched you try and like put some stuff together, and it's like, well, how much of this do you put in? How much of that do you put in? You just kind of like open up the where the seasonings are, and you add a little bit of this and a little bit of that until it tastes right. Right. I know. Sometimes it's funny because when I first started to learn how to cook, my grandmother would teach me, and that's exactly what she would do. You know, she would say, "Oh, I'm like grandma. How much of this? I don't know. A dash. Um, what's what's a dash? Like, because I was the measuring. I was measuring everything. And there was one recipe that she had that I wanted to really, really learn how to make, and it was her nut roll recipe. It's like the most delicious thing in the world and it's just well it's one of those you know nostalgia like it reminds me of my grandma it's, it's grandma's nut roll therefore it's amazing right and so she wanted to or I wanted this recipe from her and she said well I don't have it written down and I'm like well so then how am I going to figure out how to make it and she said well just come over one day and we'll make it together and you can write down whatever it is you need to write down so that you can replicate it yeah, and now, I mean, after we've been together for so long, I've started to cook the same way you have. I used to yeah. be able to, like, take out a recipe and follow it exactly, and that was the answer. And mm -hmm. now now I can kind of be like, well, it needs yeah. some of this because it doesn't quite taste right, so it needs a little bit more of that. Yeah, you're getting much better with that. Well, he was watching me try and, you know, create, like, a training plan and and just kind of paused and goes, huh, you coach the same way that your wife cooks. Because mm -hmm. it wasn't like, well, I have to have this workout and I have to have this. It's sort of like, well, this is ultimately what needs to happen. The athlete needs to have this and this and this and this. So we need to add a little bit here and a little bit there. It's very much like cooking. Okay. So that's... that's I like the analogy. I think that it's, it's definitely spot on because... Every athlete is different, and, and each athlete needs different things, even if they have the same goal, because they're coming at that goal from a different place. Right, and we've talked about this before, of all the different paces and how like one effort level for you and the same exact effort level for me could have completely different payoffs. So even though we're doing the exact same workout at like 60% intensity, we're going to get different payoffs. Right, and, and you can't exactly measure 60% intensity anyway. Right, so, so there's always, always gray area. There's always that gray area. 
So when Kevin decided um, to outline this topic for us today, we decided we're going to go through a couple different coaching styles that are out there. And, And Kevin has been a lot of these styles at various points in his coaching career. Yes, and definitely. now you know at the end we're going to kind of sum up and, and kind of talk about where he is today. And I'm going to kind of talk about this too because I've I've coached throughout my life as well. Um, but there are definitely um, distinctions in different ways that people coach. So the first one that let's see what do we have we have four main coaching styles that yes. we're going to talk about today. So the first one is what we call the numbers coach, okay? So this is where Kevin used to live. I mean, Kevin used to be the spreadsheet master. I mean, I'm an engineer. Like, that is that is where my mind focuses. It's it's the same way that when I started cooking, I needed a recipe. I needed an exact, this, you put in these ingredients and the result comes out perfect. Mm-hmm. The numbers coach says, okay... This is your starting point. This is the the talent level where we're at. We need to get to this point. So let's follow steps A, B, and C, and poof, this is the outcome. Right. So you're going to use kind of the previous race results. You're going to use the goal that they're trying to get to, and you're going to break down all the numbers. Right. Or if you don't have previous race results, a lot of the numbers coach have like two or three key workouts that they've used season after season after season. What do you mean by key workouts? Uh, Like four times a mile with five minute recovery. And so you can see what the athlete can hit off of that or, you know, so um, based on that workout, then that determines where the athlete is at that point in time. Right. Instead of using, yeah. Instead of using like what was their last 5k or, you know, whatever that is that they're racing for, what was their last half marathon? Mm -hmm. If they don't have a recent race result, Mm -hmm. you can put them through some different workouts. You know, you could also be like super scientific and go through some of these testing things and actually try and estimate a VO2 max or a lactate threshold. And, right. I mean, you could go all out and have the oxygen mask and well, taking blood tests and things I mean, along the way. Unless you're an elite professional athlete, that's probably not what's going to happen. But I know when one of my athletes <laughs> went to this like super training camp and came back with her like lactate threshold results. Oh, yeah. That was really cool. That was cool. But most athletes and coaches are not going to have access to that type of thing. So there are various different runs and and tests like run tests that you can do to try to estimate those things and then base your workouts and your paces and your times off of that yeah i mean there's a lot of race estimators and there's some good workouts to figure out roughly where you are but they're all they're all estimates yes and that's definitely important to remember is that they are estimates but they are a good place to start right i mean that's one of the benefits of the numbers coach is that everyone needs somewhere to start and this gives a very solid numerical start a lot of a lot of new runners especially at the beginning they want to know where they are they especially not not necessarily to compare to other people but they want to know what their starting point is because they like to see themselves improve which is super important for new runners because they like to see the progress early. Even older runners, you know, even... But, I mean, it's a great benefit yeah. as a new one because that early progress can happen in such big leaps and bounds. Yeah. I mean, if you say, hey, here's where you are, this is where you can be in four weeks. Mm-hmm. For a new runner, where you can be in four weeks is pretty far from where you are. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. And especially if it's the first time you've ever worked with a coach before, just having some sort of structure to your running plan versus just going out and running the same distance and the same pace every single time you go out to run, you're going to see fantastic improvements very early on. Right. I mean, there are some amazing 
you know, professional coaches making plenty of money and training elite athletes that, well, they've got aspects of some of these other ones. They are clearly rooted in being a numbers coach. Right. And, and another benefit is that it's so clear to see results and that those results keep athletes motivated to keep moving forward. Right. And, you know, the workouts are very structured because, well, you're at this point. And so if you can run a 5K in you know, 22 minutes, then when we're doing quarter repeats, you're hitting them in this, this exact pace range here. And your recovery is this much time. Like it's a very specific thing. So the Mm -hmm. workouts come out pretty quickly because it's essentially, you know, plug the athlete's time into an equation and here's all of the workouts they should do. Right, right. And, and while that can be very, very good in a lot of different people, there are some negatives and there's negatives to all of these different coaching styles. And so one of the biggest, you know, one of the negatives of the numbers based coaches that there is that strict adherence to the numbers and the times in the workouts. And that can just become a little tedious after, after time. And it's sometimes it's difficult to hit those workouts. It doesn't always, um, let's see, life doesn't always give us the ideal situation where those numbers are always, Attainable, attainable on right. that particular right. day. Because just because that's the number that comes out of the calculator doesn't mean that you're going to be able to hit that number every day based on how much sleep you had and how much stress you're under and, you know, are your kids doing well in school? Like there's so many other factors. And so uh, you, the numbers-based coaches that I like to see are, give their athletes a range of times to hit. You know, I think that that's a much better way to go is giving a range versus one specific time or pace to hit. Yeah, and the, this also is an issue with, with runners early in their training with the numbers coach is if the, their first sort of like key workouts or like, you know, estimates of where they start, because people are changing so quickly, they may be leaping forward and be at a much... Uh, farther along position than the numbers coach suggests. Yeah, like, that's true. Oh, well, you're a 30 minute 5k runner. If you start going, you could be like a 28 minute 5k runner mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks yeah. just by focusing and, and paying attention to your actual training instead of just kind of like, Oh, I'll go out and run every once in a while. Like as soon as you start keying in on it, that time could drop quickly. The numbers coach has to be able to adapt rapidly. Right. And we see this a lot with our cross-country athletes, the the people that have never run before and all of a sudden they're stepping out onto the cross-country team and they are 14 years old and their parents told them that they needed to join a high school sport, so they chose this one. And they go out and, like Kevin said, maybe they run 30, 35 minutes for their first 5K, but on week two or week three, they're hitting 28, 27 minutes. And it's just because their their bodies have finally adapted just to running, period. Yes. You know, so if you're giving them specific workout um, splits to hit on, on different workouts, then they could be a lot better than the splits that you're giving them. Yes. This is one of the big issues with numbers is how quickly do you progress? Like, do you base the workouts off of where the athlete is, where the athlete is going? How many times should you adjust? Like how many times do they have to prove that they've moved and advanced to a a faster athlete before you move the workouts faster to them? Because if you advance too quick, then they get hurt. Right. Well, and you know, I, keep in mind um, something that you told me before about doing the same workout with the same paces for a couple months at a time because your body will get different benefits from it. Yes. So 
in my mind, if I'm getting better and if I'm getting faster, I sh- my workout time should be advancing also. I should be hitting quarter mile repeats faster this month than I did last month. But Kevin kind of explained to me at one point that I don't need to keep trying to make my workout splits faster and faster and faster, that my body can still gain a lot of benefits from hitting those same times that I hit a month ago, but doing them this month with different adaptations, right? Yeah. I mean, if if you've got like so much benefit that you can get out of a workout, picture it like a, a really wet sponge. The first time you hit the workout is kind of taking that really wet sponge and squeezing it. You get a lot of water out of it. That doesn't mean there's not water still left in that sponge. Yeah. Squeeze the sponge some more, more water's coming out of it. There are still benefits to gain. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other things that comes out in this is the more research is done, the more they suggest that different workouts kind of have overlapping benefits mm-hmm. that the you know threshold kind of running and tempo pace running and you know running at like your mile effort you know it used to be well if you run at your mile effort you get these adaptations mm-hmm. you run it at a you know one hour effort you get these adaptations it overlaps mm-hmm. and so it being the numbers coach and saying, no, you have to hit this workout to get these exact adaptations, the body's going to adapt the way that it wants to adapt. Right. And it's it's hard to say that it only gives you these adaptations. Mm-hmm. And the body's going to adapt differently based on the person and the hormones. And if you're male or you're female or based on if you're 20 years old or if you're 40 years old, there's so many different factors that go into it. Which is the biggest negative that comes up with the numbers coach and the one that I have fallen into of it is the magic workout trap mm-hmm. where it's like, well, no, this is the workout that gets these exact results. And I've done the workout. I've done it with this athlete. I've done it with that athlete. They all got these results. You did the workout and you didn't get the results. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, that's now. And as Mm-mm. soon as the the coach starts being like, well, my workout works. This is the magic workout. Mm-hmm. It must be something wrong with you. That's a problem. That is a, that's a problem for sure. Yeah. That's so, sure. so that's... That's why being a, a numbers-only coach, well, there are certainly plenty of positives. Lots of positives. If you are only a numbers coach, there are certainly definite negatives that could pop up. Right. So let's move on to number two. So now we've got on to the, the cheerleading coach. Ah, uh, the cheerleading coach. It's the coach that encourages the athlete through every single high and low of every workout through their training cycle. Because you're so wonderful. Everything's great. Yeah. Did you hit that workout? Yay, you're great. High five. Yeah. <laughs> Did the workout not so go well? It's okay. You're still great. High five. You tried. <laughs> so it's the cheerleader. It's... <laughs> It's an awesome coach because they're super supportive in, you know, in our well, league that it, we coach in. Yeah, I was going to say, in high school athletes, that's very important. Especially, I mean. Self-esteem issues yes. and all these other things that are going on. Like, it's important to have an aspect of that cheerleading coach in you. Right. But if you if you look at all these different coaching sort of prototypes in isolation, the cheerleading coach is has some great benefits. Mm-hmm. When people, what were you going to say about the, the district we coach in? There, we have a lot of cheerleaders in our district. Do, you, do we? We have a lot. Yeah. We have a lot of coaches that if you gave them the preference of where they would stand on the, co- on the course, they would stand at like every single half mile so that they can high five their runner as many times as possible. Mm-hmm. Like they're there is so much support and not just their runner. Mm-hmm. Like there Other are coaches runners. that we go up against that. It's like, I don't really want to tell my kids that they have to crush your team because everybody on your team is so supportive. You're supportive. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I cheer for other athletes. When I we're cheer out for there. plenty of them. Yeah. Because especially in high school, they need to know that they're doing a good job. 
you know? I, I was trying to cheer for other athletes. On uh, on the run I did yesterday, there was a team also running through the park I was at, and it was a cluster very clear. I mean, I coached these people, so I recognized them as a team of high school girls, mm-hmm. and they were charging up the hill, and I was trying to be like, hey, good job, but also not be like the creepy stranger <laughs> talking to random girls running up the hill. Right. It's a, yeah, it's you a don't tough, want to be that guy. No, it's a tough balance to play. Like, hey, good job. I promise I'm a high school coach. Like, that was that was what I was trying to put out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so the, the obvious there's obvious benefits of the cheerleading coach, right? The, that your coach, to be a, this kind of coach, you are fully invested in your athlete. You want what's best for them. You want to promote them, not only as an athlete, but as an individual and as a human being. And you want to make sure that they're out there having fun and that they feel good about themselves and you're building their self-esteem. Like, there are all these very good things can you tell that like that's kind of my role on the team here? Well, that, <laughs> that is definitely a big aspect of you is you bring the like, you know, it the cheerleading coach and the like mother coach kind of it, it's yes. it, I was debating what that's to name true. this one. Yeah. Because it's the unconditional love it's coach. It's the mothering of of it too. It's yeah. the it's the support no matter what coach. Right, and that's one of the things I think that I bring to our team. Um Whereas I'm the numbers coach where I'm a robot and it's just like You're you, not a robot. But the the You you get more of it. But I think, you know, there was a couple years that you coached solo without another person and without a female like because early on in your coaching career you coached with Jill and and she was fantastic in this role you know and then there was a couple years that you kind of went by yourself and then you brought me on and I think that that during those that time like you can't be everything to everybody when you have 30 kids on your team it's just exhausting that's that's the issue is you you can be everything but everything simultaneously with that many people is right because every every kid needs something different on any given day Day, yes, of you course. Know? And just being able to recognize that. Well, we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. But anyway, so runners need support, especially to get through those tough stretches of training. We have, you know, people that we're training for marathons right now, and, and there are just days and weeks that it just gets wearing on you. Yeah. And I mean, they need somebody to tell them. The heart of marathon training yeah. is not a super exciting, fun-filled time. It's no. just not. But they need somebody else to tell them, you are doing a great job. Yes. And you are going to get through this. Yes. Even if they have a couple of days back-to-back that they, they feel like, well, those two workouts were terrible. That's when the cheerleading coach needs to show up and say, no, 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 you're doing awesome. You are awesome. Okay. But on the other end, there are still, there are negatives that come with the cheerleading coach is sometimes the cheerleading coach has a tendency to back off too much. Like, Oh, are you struggling through this workout? Well, let's just cut the last few reps because Mm. they always want the athlete to succeed. And they always want the athlete to feel good about it. Feel good about themselves. Nothing can ever go wrong with the cheerleading coach. It has to be always successful. The problem is, is that this leads to a gradual lowering of the bar that the athlete's jumping over. Right. Because there are going to be workouts that are going to be hard and that the athlete should fail at. I mean, you've, you've talked about that before. Sometimes you design workouts so that the athlete fails because they need to get certain physical or mental adaptations from that workout. Right. I mean, if if you can't take them to a place where either they fail or they get darn close to it, where they are on the verge of failing and they have to figure out, now what do I do? 
in a race, they're going to get to that point where it's not going well and everything hurts and they just want to stop. And in the middle of the race, they can't just pull off the course and get a hug. It's just not going to work. Yeah. But there are athletes that will just pull back and start to walk. And then there are athletes that will just put their head down and grit through it and just keep going. Exactly. And that's what you're trying. You're hoping to encourage that in an athlete. Right. So once they've made it through that and they, they've figured out inside of themselves how to get through, then the cheerleader needs to come over and support that and, and cheer on that that person made it through. If you take the walls away, if you take the difficulty away, they never make that adaptation. So right. it's got some issues. Well, and another challenge of this coaching style is that coach-slash-friendship relationship how how are you going to blend those two because as a coach you want to be an authority because that's why someone is coming to you to ask you to coach them because they see you as an authority and as someone that's going to help them get better but you also start develop to develop a friendship with these people so then you it's it's that um Balance? Balance, right. The balance between the coach and the friendship, I think, can get a little tough to navigate. Yeah, I know. Our our oldest one who keeps being like, Dad, are you still going to be coaching when I get to high school? Because I want you to be my coach. And I'm like, ooh, that's going to be an interesting one. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, there's there's people that teach their own children, too. Yes. You know, that... Um, that that also is was one of those things. It's it's hard to sometimes make those two roles work well and fluidly, but it make it definitely can be done. Yeah, it's, it's just, just challenging. It's it's a challenge and it's a big challenge of the cheerleading coach. All right, let's move on to number three. So the third coaching style that we have listed here is what Kevin calls the drill sergeant. All right, the drill sergeant is always asking for the athlete to push. It, whatever is going on, however you feel, you need to push and you need to push harder. And they will get up in there. There's a lot of yelling involved. It's not it's not negative, but it's a lot of yelling. So this is kind of like your football coach that you've talked about in, in or like the classic football the coach, The classic right? football coach. That just gets out there and yells at their kids. Yes, because if you're pushing as hard as you can, I bet you can push harder if I scream in your face. Mm -hmm. It's the drill sergeant. Right. And so there are definite benefits. You know, there's there's benefits and challenges to this one so one of the benefits is that there's a strong chance of improvement in in these people because they um are afraid of their coach and yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and you want to make your coach happy it, it, that's that's a lot of what this one comes from is it's hard to say no when that guy is right up in your face and and going for it mm -hmm. um it's a very good coach for those who have little self-motivation, that intrinsic push inside of them. Mm -hmm. They need the outside source going at them, mm -hmm. you know, and we've got, we've got some of these kids on our team where they're like, why, why do you run? And they're like, well, uh, I will push myself as hard as, as you tell me I need to push. Right. Like, well, no, you need to push yourself as hard as you're willing to push. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the negative of this. There's a lot of, of good push, but it, it's great for the kid who can't get their own motivation going. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of this coaching style personally. So you, if you want to continue on with the benefits, you can. Okay. Well, there's one more that I, was, <laughs> I, I came up with is it's a, it's a good coach to get someone established on a regular routine. You know, the, but what, you, don't, you still don't have to yell at them to do that. Well, you know, it's, it's not necessarily yelling. It's just, it's a more forceful approach than the cheerleader approach. Tough love. It, yes. Tough love. Okay. Or uh, as my boss likes to put it, um, what is it? An, iron fist in a velvet glove oh 
So it's it's a strong command, mm-hmm. but gently handed to them okay. is is the best way of putting it. Because you don't need to be screaming at them. No. But you, it, this this coach is far more firm than any of the other ones. Okay. You know, because they believe that firmness is what's going to instill the appropriate values. Discipline. The discipline. Mm -hmm. Very disciplined. This is what you have to do. You need to push harder. You're not pushing hard enough. Mm -hmm. It has a very good likelihood of increasing the the outcome of the athlete because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of pushing coming from above. Okay. But there are some negatives and some and challenges. I'm sure you're ready to highlight these. Go ahead. No, go ahead. So I mean the biggest thing in my opinion is that People that with this coaching style focus a lot on the negative. Like the the athlete is not doing enough. They need to push harder. They need to do more. And while that can be good, it can also have the opposite effect and and make the athlete feel like they're not good enough. Yeah, or the athlete completely rebels against the coach. Right. And And then you can have a lot of butting heads between the athlete and the coach as well. That's one of the big issues is if the athlete does not buy into this system, you get a lot of pushback, a lot of butting heads between athlete and coach. And it, no, that's never a good... Uh, relationship, right? And, like, and you can't it, have anger between these two. Well, and that kind of personality would not do well with this kind of coach, right? But there's some that definitely that they succeed. They need that push from above or that push from outside, whatever the the setup is here. Um, but the you know it's got it's got issues. Um, the drill sergeant is also very resistant to adding extra recovery. You know, sometimes an athlete pushes really hard one day. And they're sore the next day and the schedule says, oh, it's a recovery day, but they're sore the day after that also. Mm-hmm. So the schedule said you're into another hard workout and you're and not you're pushing, do that. you're not pushing hard enough. You need to push through this pain. You got to mm-hmm. go. No, maybe that athlete needs another day of recovery. Right. And the drill sergeant is the guy who says, no, it's time to just keep pushing. Right. So they tend to push their athletes and they don't always balance out the risk versus the reward at that point in time. Yeah, and sometimes there's a lot more reliance on the on the coach than what the athlete can actually get themselves through. So unless the coach is literally standing there next to the athlete for the entire race, mm-hmm. what happens when it gets hard? Right, what happens when the coach is not there to push the athlete? You know, on, on a distance race, on a cross-country race, what happens when they're out of sight and they make that turn around the tree? Oh, and the athlete's walking because their coach can't see them, so they're not screaming anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and I've, I've seen that happen in races. Um, you know, one of the worst instances of this I saw last year at the track meet, the coach actually yelled at their kid on the track, why are you slowing down? You're giving up on me. Ooh. You're not... No, no, no. This is not about you as a coach. This race is for the athlete. It needs to be athlete-centered. The drill sergeant model tends to make things very Mm coach-centric. And while it has some positives, leaning too much on the drill... I think neither one of us are super supportive of this. No. It's got benefits, and sometimes you need to be very forceful with the Sometimes you need to be firm. Like, there there is a, a time and a place for some tough love. Right. You know, because sometimes athletes or kids you know they wimp out you know and but and they do need someone there to push them and to expect more of them yes you know because they that will allow them to rise up it's about expectations yes it raises the expectations it raises their expectations but you have to do it with a loving hand or a velvet glove velvet glove a velvet glove all right let's move on to the fourth type of coach which you have here as the woo woo coach all right so the the woo woo coach comes from a podcast i heard it was an interview with lauren fleshman and Mm -hmm. Um, she, 
she kind of put this out there as yeah. like the opposite of the numbers coach. There's mm-hmm. the coach that relies very much on numbers and there's there's the woo-woo coach. And she didn't have a better way of explaining it other than, well, it's the other side. Yeah. It's the stuff that makes you better, but it's it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. Right. And, and that's basically mm-hmm. all of the mental adaptations in training and helping the athlete. This one, in my opinion, is more all about athlete empowerment and helping the athlete find these mental tricks and strategies to help push themselves and basically become independent and not necessarily need the coach anymore. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very much the, um, the athlete that gains all this mental strength. It's the idea that through visualization and taking the athlete to various places and just mentally working themselves through challenges, the athlete will become a better and stronger athlete and able to take on challenges. Even though they've never seen those challenges in practice, they are a mentally strong person. So you Mm -hmm. throw a new challenge at them and they're like, whatever, I'm strong enough that I can take on whatever you throw at me. Right. That's that's the idea behind this coach. Right. Make them mentally super strong. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that obviously is one of the huge benefits of this type of coach is, is strengthening that mental aspect of the runner and the athlete. Because like they said, you know, how many times we heard that running is 90% mental and 10% physical or 80-20. You know, there's, there's such a huge mental aspect to running. It is so not just physical. Mental is so much more than physical when it comes to running. Yeah, I mean, depending on, on what kind of distance you're coming through, it's the, the numbers kind of get out there of, of how much physical adaptation you need versus just the ability to push yourself through pain. Mm-hmm. And I have a friend that is, you know, she's one of my running friends and she talks about her races during the 5k and she and another friend of mine were kind of talking about it. And the one friend said, I wish I could push myself the way that you do. And the one friend said basically that she can put herself in a place during a race where she is in pain, but she just keeps pushing harder. And my other friend said, well, I can't do that. You know, so (laughs) They're like it it's a readjustment of what pain means. Right. Pain doesn't mean that it hurts. Pain means that you're doing it correctly. Mm-hmm. And to be able to get your head to well, flip dep- yeah. to say that pain means you're doing it that means you I mean if it's a five K if it's a five K it should it hurt. should hurt and it should hurt pretty early in the race yeah. and that means that you're going fast enough. Right. It's kind of the mindset. Yeah. So another benefit of this is that it empowers the runners, right? To take control over their running and know that they have the power to push through those painful spots or to get through these different challenges of of running or of specific workouts or of races you're trying to give that runner the power within to so that they can pull from that whenever they need it right this coach tends to also try and highlight the connection between like running and outside things like look how strong of a person you are you can overcome any challenge in life yeah. or to pull outside things. Look at this other thing you've done in life. You can clearly go hit this workout. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I like to put this one towards you of you delivered two kids. You could certainly go run a half marathon. Like right. you pushed people out of yourself. I That's did. ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so go, go run. Right. So while there are a lot of really great benefits of this 
kind of coach, there are also challenges, just like every other one. If you go too far this direction, you lose the numbers aspect. So, Mm -hmm. you know, well, there is a gray area, like we talked back in the numbers coach, of what exact adaptations you get out of different workouts. You need to have some of that in mind. Yes. You go too far this direction. It's like, oh, well, you need to feel this kind of stress. Well, there's ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And there are certain workouts that are more likely to give you the adaptations that you're going Mm for. There are certain workouts that are better for a 5k versus a marathon Mm -hmm. so if you go too far this direction it's just like well let's get this kind of mental adaptation Mm -hmm. there are definite physical adaptations you need for different races right and depending on your training goal and if you have a specific goal time in mind for a race those numbers are still important oh yeah the the more it matters to you about what kind of time you're aiming for, Mm -hmm. the more you kind of need to focus a little bit on on the specificity of your workouts. Right. You got to be a little bit flexible, but there is, there's a point of what you need to hit. You know, Mm -hmm. when you're looking at like, elite men if you're trying to hit a sub four minute mile you can't go out there and hit quarters in 70 seconds Mm -hmm. that's just not going to get you there if you're trying to race them in 60 seconds right right so So there but at the same time this can also benefit those numbers based people as well you know that this coach can because again you're just helping them tap into some of their mental strength that's going to allow them to push to get those numbers that they're supposed to hit in the workout. Yeah. All right. One of the other negatives that we've got here is... Challenges. Challenges. (laughs) One of the other challenges is... um, It takes more time to develop this. Yeah, because the athlete really needs to buy in. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. If this was not the first coaching experience that they've had, Mm -hmm. this is an interesting coach to to start with. Yes. Or to transition over to. I would say the transition The transition is really tricky. Yeah. Especially if you've had like a very numbers-oriented coach of these are what you need. And suddenly you get a coach out there like, well, it needs to feel difficult. Like, what? I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, tell me exactly how fast I should be hitting these quarters. Right. You should be hitting them so that you feel uncomfortable. I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> right. So it, it takes a lot of time to develop the balance and, and the understanding between coach and athlete that mm-hmm. when a coach says, says uncomfortable, this is the effort that you actually need to be putting. Right. You know, there's some semantics involved in this. Mm-hmm. And I had this issue with, uh, with my high school coach. He, he talked, there was a pace during workouts that he referred to as floating. Floating. Oh, you were talking about this the other day. Um, I was talking to my mom about this yeah, one. Yeah, when you got when we were hiking. Yeah. So floating. The workout was uh, two hundred hard, and then two hundred float, and you had to do four laps of it, and then okay. there was a break, and then you repeated, and blah blah blah. And what's a float? Well, so the the hard he gave us a specific time. You had to hit, and I don't remember what it was, but then the floating was maintaining a similar time but with less effort. <laughs> I was a freshman when he told us this workout. Right. And so all the freshmen just kind of nod along like, oh, sure thing. We got it. Yep. And then you ask the seniors, what the heck does he mean by floating? Okay. And they look at you and they're like, all right, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to try and hit the time for the 200 that, that matters. And then you try to not slow down, but take less effort to do the next part. Mm-hmm. And I look at him like, if I could do it with less effort, why would I not do that on the first part? Mm-hmm. And then they smile and they're like, all right, ready for the workout. <laughs> yeah, like what does that even mean, right? Like you're going to slow down a little bit, but you're going to have to keep pushing. It, you just sort of, 
instead of grinding, you just it, you're gonna lose a couple seconds. Yeah. But you don't slow down to a jog. That's right. that's what a float is. Okay. All it right. was it was a fun one. Though. But that's but that's part of the challenge of this is is getting the athlete to understand what these different effort levels feel like, and then also instilling these different mental adaptations. It takes time and repetition and a lot of repetition and then some more repetition. And a lot of discussion between coach and athlete a to make sure discussion. that that mental development actually is happening. Right. Whereas the numbers coach, you can throw some workouts at them and they're going to get some adaptations. The the woo-woo coach needs to help sort of guide the athlete. Here's the workout you're going to hit. This is what you should be feeling. These are some ways to develop from that. This is, this is the negative aspect, and this is where you're going to put your mind frame to get through the workout. They, they need a lot more hand-holding through this one. Right. Mental adaptations don't just magically happen. Exactly. So what kind of coach is best? And And... We're going to basically say all of them have benefits and all of them have challenges like we just talked about. Yeah, I don't think we hit it throughout the episode. I think we really covered that all of these could be a very good coach. And all different, depending on the kind of athlete, you know, you are or or that, that type of athlete that you're coaching, some people need all like aspects from all of these things. And some people do better with one versus the other. It just depends on the person. Oh, very much so. You know, um, in, in the wrap out, I, I wrap up here, I kind of typed out a whole bunch of other coaching styles, but they're not styles. They're um, more like philosophically, where do they come from? There's like the longer distance coach and the strength based coach and the one that thinks that form is more important than anything. I kind of hit the four that we talked about here of sort of the way they mentally approach their training mm-hmm. of this is the most important thing to lead with. So, um I definitely, when I started, was very key into numbers. And while I could slightly tap into the other ones, I believe that the way that I've improved as coaching is not because I've gotten better at typing numbers. Mm -hmm. It's because I've been able to sort of bring in the other coaching personalities. And also determine which one would work best with each athlete at any given time. Well, that's, I mean... That, that is an art in and of itself. That's the experience. And yeah. that's that's where coaching and cooking come together mm-hmm. is, well, this is what's going to work best. Or, you know, if you're trying to cook something and you don't have this ingredient, but you still need to get the right results and you're not running to the store, what's the substitution? Mm-hmm. It's, it's little things like that. And how can you put it along the way? You know, between the comment my dad made and designing workouts where you're looking over my shoulder and you're like, well, why did you do that workout? And why did you do that workout? Yeah. I I try to not get frustrated when you ask those questions because I put that workout there because that workout's going to work there. Mm -hmm. And when you ask, it's sort of like, well, it's hard for you to to describe it to me and explain it. It's really tricky because you just know. Yeah. I, that workout's going to work there because that workout's going to work there. Mm -hmm. And it's re- it, it is helpful for you to then stop and ask me, why does that workout work? Yeah. Because it makes sure that, that I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, it works because of this and this. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I, I get into the pattern of, okay, well, now they need this workout and I'm just going to put it there. That might not be the best workout if when you stop and make me think, hey, why did you do that? Yeah. You know, did I put that workout in just because I personally ran something recently and I thought that was a good one? Or is it actually the best for the athlete? Yeah. And so basically, in our opinion, 
a good coach is basically a blend of all of these different styles because they are able to tell what athlete needs what at any given time. And the key to all of this is that the coach, a good coach, is athlete-centered and not coach-centered. That is by far the biggest takeaway is in a coach-athlete relationship, it needs to be the athlete before anything else. Any coach that's out there that says that their plan is the best, that they've got the, the, the magic workout or they've got the mental tricks or whatever it is that the coach is is the superior plan, suddenly you've got an issue because the results come because of the, because of the athlete, not mm-hmm. because of the coach. Right. The coach needs to be able to guide the athlete along the right path and also give them what they need in order for them to push themselves. Because no matter how good of a coach you are, you can't do the work for your athlete. Ultimately, it all comes from within them. Yeah, no, it's completely on the athlete. I mean, I remember when we were out a month, month and a half ago at that like random bowling night we had, and this kid came up. Oh, yeah. Your friends like introduced me. Oh, this mm-hmm. kid's run like a couple of half marathons. And he was yeah. like this really young kid. He was like 10 or yeah. And I told their parents, I'm like, I just make sure that the kid stays smiling. Like mm-hmm. if you ever get a coach that says the kid has to do this because that's what, how they're going to get the best. It's that has to part. Right. Probably not. Especially at that young of an age. Yeah. I mean, no, the kid just, what the kid has to do is still smile mm-hmm. so that they're enjoying it because if you take the fun out of it and they're that, that 10 year old is not going to still be running as a 20 year old. Exactly. Ultimately it's going to catch up to them at some point in time and they need to enjoy it. Yes. So athlete centered, no matter what the, uh, the basis of the coaching style is, try and blend as several as possible and lead with the athlete. Always lead with the athlete. All right. Sounds good. So if you guys are interested in some coaching programs that we have, you can head over to the website at realliferunners.com and check out the different coaching options that we have for you. We have everything from our monthly membership plan, which is a straight up plan that you just pay a a low fee and you get a new running and strengthening plan every month. And that's basically the same for everybody, but it it is a effort-based and time-based system so no matter where you are in your running journey you can make it work for you and there's a 30 minute option a 45 minute option so it's great if you're not specifically training for any sort of race right now we also offer customized plans and personalized coaching so if you're interested in that head over to the website and check it out and if you are enjoying the podcast we just started a new thing where you can actually just support the podcast because we had some people ask us just about how to support us and just because they found value in what we were doing and wanted to just support us at a very low level a month. So we set up some patron options. If you're interested in that, you can go over to the website, realliferunnerspodcast.com and you can support us for a dollar a month if you want. And that's just basically a a nice little tip that says, Hey, we really like what you guys are doing and we want you to continue. It'll just help to offset some of the cost of production for us. Um, so we have a couple different tiers and offers there for a dollar a month or a dollar an episode. And we have some special rewards for you based on how much you pledge per month. So you can check those out at real life runners, podcast.com. Thank you guys so, so much for joining us today. 
day and every week. We love producing this show for you, and we are so thankful that you choose to spend this time with us. Please share us with your friends if you like the show, and just keep listening so that we can keep serving you in the best way that we possibly can. Thank you for joining us today, and we will talk to you next week.